Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. It's the name of the Lord. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Well, it's great to be in the house of God. I'm going to share a little something with you this evening. When I traveled full-time, I approached ministry and other congregations a little different way. Now that uh, I'm traveling again, not so much, but the last three years, there's been a little bit more of that. And it's just been this. I figure, you know what? Whatever the Lord's dealing with me with and with our church with, if you ask me to preach, that's what you get. (laughs) I'm not digging back over other topics and other symptoms and other situations. I'm going to bring to you what's fresh and what the Lord is working me over about. I figure God knows what he's doing when he puts it in the heart of a preacher to invite another preacher or open the pulpit to another preacher. God knows what's going on. I don't know this congregation other than to know some people, but I don't know the status. I don't know the circumstance, but I'm going to share a sampling of what the Lord has been working in us recently in recent months. And we're not finished with this exploration. We don't have it all figured out. Uh, We are currently even endeavoring this month in our kickoff for the year to look into some things. I'm going to share a sampling. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there. In the midst of me, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. From that truth, we've been working on our approach to the Lord, our response. I'm trying to wrap my brain around that simple phrase. All divinity. All of his power is here. You got a family of two or three around your living room. All of his glory is here. I balance that understanding with times when we have looked at particular services and particular events and encounters and said, man, that was a... That was a mighty move of God, an amazing display of God's power. As compared to other times when the preacher was winded, the musicians were sweating, and little seemed to be accomplished in the kingdom. What's the difference between those two? Sometimes we think that more of God was in one service than the other. We get this mindset that he would pour it out in that church service. I'm trying to change my vocabulary. Like God's in heaven with this big old bucket, and he's like, if you say enough, I'm going to let her go. He's got it tilted up on an edge. He'll pour it out. But Jesus said, I'm there. 
So the difference between the spectacular things of God and the ordinary humanity we sometimes become satisfied with is in us. We're working in our congregation on our perception, on our awareness, on our pursuit, on our surrender. If Jesus is there every time two or three are gathered together, then I want us to understand are our minds and our spirits tuned into this. I've come to appreciate that when more of us are more aware, we experience more of Jesus. When more of us are more aware, we experience more of Jesus. So we've been working on our awareness and our pursuit, our surrender, his presence. I'm going to share a little bit tonight. I'm going to ask us to be aware of him in conclusion. You already know this, but maybe a, a description's in order. Sometimes a preacher preaches like it's a drag race. When the green light goes, when the mic's in his hand, <laughs> full on. Uh, I've never had that giftedness. On occasion, it comes over me a little bit, but I appreciate those who preach that way. I'll not be preaching that way tonight. Some people minister like a train, a locomotive. It takes them a while to get things rolling, but after a while, they're carrying some weight. And sometimes the preaching is organized. You know, here's the stated point. Here's two or three examples. Here's a resolution, nice, logical, and reasoned. And uh, my mind works that way. I, I tend to accidentally fall into that pattern. Other times, ministry is a collection of illustrations, two or three or four. And in conclusion, then you pull the string that brings all those to lay over top one another, and you realize there's a point to be made. Now, that may be closer to what I'm going to try to do tonight. So if an illustration or two misses you or you get lost along the way, Stay with me. There'll be a new story coming soon. And we'll see what the Lord will do in our midst. Amen. You may be seated. The scripture in Psalm 19, verses 1 to 4. Psalm 19, verses 1 to 4. The scripture records, The heavens declare the glory of and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Nature the Lord's creation is speaking everywhere in all languages to all peoples. Creation is making known the glory of God. The psalmist said day after day, night after night. And the psalm continues to talk about the sun and its immense power and its influence and its unstoppability, if you will, and how it penetrates throughout 
our solar system. And then the psalmist talks about the power of God's commands and his instructions and his statutes and the authority. The comparison is there that creation declares the word of God. And for instance, look at the power of the Son and that authority. And then look at the commandments and the statutes. It's all lined up in the parallel understanding. And then the psalmist says, how in the world could I ever measure up? And in the final verse of the chapter, in verse 14, the psalmist writes, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The psalmist prayed for a fitting reply to heaven's declarations. The psalmist said, I want to have the right words. I want to have acceptable words. I want to have pleasing words. And for a few moments tonight, I just want to talk about words, words, words. Perhaps you read the story. Soon after their daughter, Isla, turned two years old, Amanda and Jason McNabb started spotting these strange configurations of these little plastic, multicolored toy letters around their house. They live in a Louisville suburb. And they notice next to a chair, C-H-A-I-R. And by the couch, S-O-F-A. Near the television remote, T-V. Who was doing this? Their two-year-old toddler. These colorful subtitles led her parents to take the toddler and have her IQ tested as she was approaching two and a half years of age. A month later, they got the results, and Isla had scored in the top 1% of the population. Her performance qualified her for membership in Mensa. That's an organization of people who score in the top 2% of IQ tests. As for this little baby, Isla, her father, Jason, said, there are a few times in these early years of this baby's life that her actions were so extraordinary it, it raised the hair on his neck. He said, something is going on here. They became more than fleeting moments about the time she's two. She had an affinity for the alphabet. She sounded sounding out letters on her own. And so her mom and her dad, they, they got her this tablet. And in the tablet as a birthday gift, they would start then working with her. And they would write down letters. Her dad demonstrated for Isla how to sound them out. She's two years old. They wondered if she could piece the letters together then. So on the tablet, he wrote R-E-D. Isla said red. They tried others. B-L-U-E. Y-E-L-L-W. I'm testing you now at the same time. P-U-R-P-L-E. Isla got them all. And then mom wonders, you know what, I'm going to get this little rascal. And she writes on the tablet, O-R-A-N-G-E. That'll slow her down. Isla said orange. 
Everything we threw at her, her dad said, it just seemed like she picked it up right away. It was incredible. They kept teaching her new words, and she could phonetically sound out the letters until she was able to read. Her parents started keeping a list of all the words that she could uh, had in her vocabulary, and it was around 100 words. Then it grew to 200. They stopped counting at 500 words. She's two and a half years old. She can just plain read. They went to a doctor's appointment about that time, and they said to the pediatrician, Isla can read, and the pediatrician took the position that most do. Well, mom and dad are smitten with the intelligence of their little one. You read the same child, the same story, 342 times. Yeah, they know the story. But they pointed Isla to a poster on the wall talking about the dangers of leaving a toddler unattended on a table. And the child read it word for word. The pediatrician said, oh, she can read. Most children begin to read about six or seven years of age. Her mom, Amanda, said, here's one thing for sure. I won't be getting tested. I'm not having that baby know she's smarter than me. <laughs> In 2010, researchers from Harvard University and Google estimated there's a total of 1,022,000 words in the English language. 1,022,000. Now that number includes all kinds of different forms of the same word, names of chemicals and scientific entities, and, and lots of words that are no longer in use in modern English. The second edition of the Oxford English Dictionary says there's about 600,000 word forms that are defined, but again, they're not all common. The most useful number from the Oxford English Dictionary says there's 171,476 words in common use. That's still a lot of words. But it doesn't reflect the number that English speakers actually use. Please don't do it while I'm preaching, but there's a website called testyourvocab.com. And you can find out about vocabulary and what the vocabulary is. A typical four-year-old, 5,000 words. Typical eight-year-old, 10,000 words. Most adult native English speakers have a vocabulary of 20,000 to 35,000 words. You can take the test like I do and figure out where you're at. I'm lower on that scale than I would have liked to be. Most stop growing their vocabulary after middle age. And what about adults that learn a second language? Stuart Webb, he's a professor of linguistics. He studied this process. He discovered it's incredibly difficult for a language learner to ever know as many words as a native speaker. The native speakers normally know 15 to 20,000 word families in their first language. A word family is like a series of words, run, running, ran, etc. But you don't need to know all the words in a language in order to speak it. Professor Webb says if you learn about 800 of the most frequently used word families in English, you can understand about 75% of conversations, spoken words in normal life. And that's because those words are a lot more valuable than other words. It's more valuable to know the word home or house than it is abode. 800 word families. That'll help you communicate mostly in day-to-day -day setting. But if you want to understand dialogue in media, 
3,000 common word families are necessary. You want to read a language? Novels, newspapers, web articles, you need eight or 9,000 word families. Because here's the thing. Greater communication, greater understanding requires greater vocabulary. you got to have more words. If you're going to deepen your understanding, you're going to go deeper into a relationship, you got to have more words. Let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. It's not likely that many of us remember learning to talk, remember finding our words. Teachers are more familiar with the process. Families with young children are very aware. When we observe our children learning to speak, here's what we confirm. It's obvious, but maybe we don't think about it. Language is spoken into us. We learn language by being spoken to. Mothers in the audience, it's not rare to confess even while that infant was in your womb and hand on a swollen abdomen, you had things to say to that baby inside. When that little one broke forth into atmosphere, crying and screaming, not able to communicate, not able to see, you spoke words of love. Mom and dad begin from day one speaking into that child's life. But it can't talk back. It can't communicate. In fact, they're focused in their eyes. They'll look at you and you think, oh, they're looking at me. No, that you are like trees. They can't see you. Takes quite a while for their eyes to develop. They can't communicate back to you. And yet here we are, babbling on and on to this child, communicating how much we love them, how great they look. We're trying to soothe them and console them. When we go through a store, strangers will come up to a stroller and begin to jabber to a child who's not yet able to communicate. Even when a toddler begins to utter just a few words, we continually talk to, we talk to babies immediately. Immediately and constantly. And gradually they begin to realize something's going on. They begin to realize the names and particular repeated words. Mama, Papa, Bottle, Blanket, Yes, No. First they just repeat the words back. They're kind of learning pronunciation. But then as their understanding grows, they begin to apply the words in a new context. Reflecting they understand the meaning of the words. Uh, understand this point this evening. Not one of any child's words was really a first word. Hundreds of thousands of words for days and weeks and months were spoken into every one of us as humans before we were ever old enough to understand and to answer and to speak our own words. All speech is answering speech. We were all spoken to before we spoke. My wife and I are enjoying our first granddaughter. She's couple of years old, Celie is quite the ornery little character. My wife was watching her Monday this week. My wife was trying to do some cleaning around the house and Celie was saying, Grams, let me do this. Grams, I want that. Grams, this. And, and my wife said multiple times to Celie, okay, honey, give me a minute. Give me a minute. All right, baby, give me a minute. 
Later on in the day, my wife called Celie, wanting something from her, and Celie turned around and said, Give me a minute, Gramps. Our words were never first. They were spoken into. I spent some time thinking about language development in our own home and and over the decades how our vocabularies, our conversations have matured. There have been different vocabularies at different developmental times. Each one involved different conversations and topics and needs and progression and simply based on vocabulary, on our words. We didn't have the same conversations with our two-year-olds as we did with our teenagers and nor were those teen conversations the same as when they were single 20-somethings or now when they are married parents and adults. From the time my wife and I were married until our babies were born and even until now hear me love permeated and permeates our home it's not an issue of love that I'm talking about love was there from the get-go but love motivates mutual understanding but hear me love doesn't facilitate understanding words Develop our relationships. Broader, deeper vocabularies are needed to heighten our understanding of one another. I was enamored with my wife, Rebecca, the first day I saw her. I loved her dearly the day we exchanged vows. But our 36-year relationship is deepened by One of our daughter's birthdays last fall, she got the day off and my wife took a day off and they spent the day together. My wife came home talking about the day. She said, that was the most wonderful day. She said, we talked all day about all kinds of things. The conversations were wonderful. It was an amazing day together. And a little while later, my wife got a text from our daughter and she said, Mom, what an amazing, one of the best days. Hear me, though. We loved our babies before they even broke free from Mama's womb. And when they were born, we gazed upon them and their delicate features. Love was always there. But the conversations that happened just this last birthday were not possible in the early years of her vocabulary because words enlarge relationships that we enjoy with them today. More than feelings, more than thoughts, it's a matter of words. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my Redeemer. <laughs> Pastor and scholar Eugene Peterson wrote this. Prayer will be learned properly as human answering speech to the addressing speech of God. Not to be confused or misunderstood as initiating speech. Prayer is learned properly as human answering speech to the addressing speech of God. Not to be confused or misunderstood 
as initiating speech. What are you, what are you getting at, preacher? Long before you and I ever utter or uttered one word to God, our Heavenly Father has been speaking thousands of words into His creation and into humanity. He is the initiator of this relationship. He's the initiator of this communication. Find your Bibles in Genesis 1. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be space between the waters. God said, let the land sprout with vegetation. God said, let the lights appear in the sky and separate the day from night. Long before any human foot touched ground on earth's soil, God was speaking into the universe, releasing words into his creation. We peruse our Bibles, look at it, search for it, dig it up, find it. Time and time again, a simple phrase, the word of the Lord came. The word of the Lord came to Abram and to Samuel and to Nathan and to Gad and to Solomon. The word of the Lord came to Jehu and Elijah and Shemaiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel and Jonah and Zechariah and Hezekiah and Haggai. Hear me today. The Lord God Almighty is the initiator. And long before any of us becomes aware and begins to hear or starts to comprehend, hand or releases our own words and our own understanding he has been speaking words directed into our lives and so when I finally speak to him when I pray I'm never initiating the conversation I'm just responding he's been waiting on me Prayer is a verbal acknowledgement. I see what you're doing. Prayer is the acknowledgement. I understand now you've been calling. Prayer is a response to an individual who understands God is interested in me. He desires me. He wants to know me. He wants me to know him. And when we loose our words in prayer, it's an awakening and understanding. He is interested Let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my Redeemer. Prayer. Conversation with God. Communication with God. Sometimes I wonder if our understanding of this gift is too small. I wonder if the development of our prayer vocabulary is everything that it could be. I've already confessed our family's blessed to observe the developing language of a two-year-old. It's exciting. It's wonderful. It's joyful. It's tremendous to watch. And yet, what would my life be like as a 58-year-old 
if my vocabulary was that of a two-year-old? How would I exist? How would I buy groceries? How would I drive a car, work a job? What would my relationships be like if my vocabulary was stunted as a juvenile? Well, I would hope that people would still love me and I would love them. But our understanding of one another would be halted. It's silly of me to think I could succeed as a mature adult with a two-year-old's language or a six-year-old's or a ten-year-old's. And yet, too often I've come across professed Jesus followers who wrongly believe they can exceed on a prayer vocabulary that's similar to a vacationer visiting a foreign land. As long as I learn a few common phrases, I'll be fine. I can get a handbook or an app that'll show me how to ask directions or order coffee or catch an Uber and get through the airport customs. That's all I need to know. Somehow there are times when we fool ourselves into believing that our, our prayer language, our prayer vocabulary is sufficient if we can pray over a family meal, if we can repent for the big sins and request healing as needed. And to the unbiased observer, it might appear that our prayer words are, are limited to something from a translation app. But I, I remind us this evening, discipleship isn't a place that we visit now and then. Discipleship is following Jesus Christ 24 hours a day, every day for the rest of our lives. Our Entire lives are involved in prayer is the language of kingdom life. Our, our prayer has got to develop. It's got to deepen as a child's language matures. So too should a disciple's words to his Savior. We need fluency in the language of the country that we live in. Our spiritual vocabulary has to allow sincere thoughts and emotions to flow from our understanding to his. Those words should come easily. It ought to be the prayer of every disciple like that of the psalmist let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight O Lord my Redeemer our vocabularies develop? How do we find and use more verbiage in prayer? During high school, our oldest daughter became very interested in speaking Spanish, so much so that she pursued a Spanish major in college. And that led to spending a semester in Madrid, Spain, attending university there. Spanish textbooks, Spanish classmates, Spanish lectures, Spanish coffee shops, Spanish everything. After she'd been immersed in Spain for a couple of months, 
The rest of our family was blessed to be able to pay her a visit. Her language transformation was amazing. She rolled through the grocery store understanding and knowing the labels on every product. She knew the directions on the train stations and on the subway lines. She explained an allergic reaction to a pharmacist to secure some medicine. She joked with customer service people and in one instance she rebuked a tourist treating us poorly. As an observant, doting father, I also believe she skillfully managed flirtatious advances from would-be Don Juans. She was immersed in the country, in the words, in the dialogue, in the vocabulary, in the language, day in and day out. Scripture says creation utters day after day, night after night. The words of God's glory are emanating perpetually from his creation. The only thing standing in the way is our attentiveness, our willingness to listen to what he's saying and how he is moving. Understand the power of day to day, the power of continual immersion, our prayer, our words, answering God's initiative. It improves with practice, regular words, because he's reaching for us, he's speaking, he's initiating. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. Let the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Across this congregation right now. You may want to close your eyes. You may want to raise your hands. I ask a simple question. Do you have some words for the Lord of glory right now? Are, are there some things that have come to mind even as I have spoken? Some things you want to recognize. Maybe we want to say, Lord, uh, I, I'm sorry that a lot of what I've been saying is requests. A lot of the what I've been bringing to you is just this thing that I need and that thing I need. I'm sorry. I trust you. I believe in you. I'm grateful for that. But Lord, I've begun to see greater ways and deeper things that I, I can have a conversation with you in a deeper way. Forgive me for falling short. And maybe the words that need to be uttered across this room, young and old, male and female, you alone are worthy. There is none like you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the great I am. It is pure joy for me just to be in your presence. 
More than anything else, I want to sit at your feet. I want to hear from you. I want to understand. Are there anybody else who wants to talk in this fashion? Are there men or women who want to bow your heads? You want to raise your hands? You want to stand right where you are? Are there some words that could be expressed and shared in this auditorium here tonight? Are there some folks that will say, you know what? I see you. I could be developing some things a little further right now. I could be expanding some things a little deeper right now. There's some understanding of God that I've not yet found. There's some revelation of my Savior I've not yet discovered. There's some joy that I've not yet tapped into. There's some peace that I've only scratched the surface of. There's some comfort in the glory of the Lord that I want to know right now. I want to make myself available to right now. I want to grow nearer to Him. I'm not waiting on being called to glory. I'm not waiting on getting around heaven's throne. I have a chance here and now where two or three are gathered together. He's here. His power, his glory, his authority, his revelation, his understanding is in this house. How do you know, preacher? Because I want to tap into it. Because I want to know what he's got. I want to hear what he has. I want to glow in his power and glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's awesome, church. Hallelujah, come on. We're not going to finish this tonight, but we're going to get a good start on it. We're going to kick some things to the curb in our simple humanity and step into some more glory of God's power and what He's designed us to be. Come on, tell the Lord why He's important to you. Tell him why he matters right now. Tell the Lord why you love him right now. Express your appreciation right now. Come on, put out some words. As you speak to your dearest friend, as your most loved relative, come on, share with the Lord right now. I want a relationship that deepens and broadens, oh God.